The Lord is always speaking. Sometimes we're in too much chaos to hear because he often, not always, but often speaks in the quietest voice, sometimes a whisper, sometimes through the most unlikely person. You just don't know. But he's always wanting to get to you. And uh, he always wants to confirm and affirm and reaffirm because that's actually how we're built and designed. We often, uh, we speak this difference of men and women. Men need to hear that confirming, I love you, you know. And uh, actually, men aren't that much different. Like, women, men, men, women, women are always, yeah, like, need to hear it. It's like, I told you I loved you five years ago. You know, it's like, no, I need to hear more often than that. But we're actually all that way. We actually all need that we need this reaffirming because it's, it's how we're built, number one. It's how we're designed. And the Lord is willing to keep reaffirming you. Yes? You don't, you don't just get one, I love you, and then get through the rest of your life. But he would love to tell you a whole lot more if you just get quiet enough and ask him when you need that. It's okay to ask the Lord for things like, Lord, I need you just, I, I need a touch from you. You're allowed to ask for that. And wait on it and wait for the Lord to, to, to do that and uh, bring that to you. <clears throat> I began sharing last week about hearing the voice of God. And uh, I just felt to revisit spiritual gifts we believe in it here and sometimes don't talk about it enough but we paid quite a price i did anyways personally to get to this place to get here to have this um because in the pursuing of the of spiritual gifts where i came from there was a price to pay and um this speaking of this revival this awakening this whatever it is that's going on um I'm intrigued by this, this, uh, at Asbury. And, and you know, it's, I needed to get back. I took a minute to read history again, because I'm like, man, I know Asbury College by, by name, but I had to remember, where does it come from? They, and, the, and the roots are the Wesleyan Methodist, like in the Methodist churches, the Wesleyan, Wesleyan Holy, like that's their roots, and they were established. Um, I should have written this down. There was a man that established... Uh, the um, the college originally, but but the rest of the story is that after maybe nine years, it was not that long. He got ousted from being in charge of the of the of that college. Like stuff happened, you know, church splits. I don't know, kind of like negative stuff. He went on to. Um, start, establish another university, but it didn't succeed. And later in his life, I wish I could remember his name. It might be Hughes. It was, would it possibly be Hughes? And that's the Hughes Hall that's there. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I should get better at my writing these things down. I read them. And I'm, but I was intrigued by this. He said Asbury was always his first love. 
like even though he tried to do other things, even though he's wounded from getting rejected there as, as whatever his position was, it was always his first love. And uh, the Lord's visited that place sovereignly several times, quite a few times. And um, as you look at the history, it's interesting that whoever is making decisions there has the foresight to tell CNN, tell the network news media, and even Fox News, no, we don't want you to come here. Now that's different, yeah? And Bruce, I did watch that video you sent me, so neat. Um, Lance Walnow did a segment of 20 minutes. Now Lance can get on his rants and has kind of an edgy personality and is he Jewish? I think he's got to be, he just has that thing too. Yeah. And, um, but he's a patriot, he's spirit filled, but he's always has an edge to him and, you know, and often, and sometimes I like listening to him. He's blessed me a lot of times. There's other times I'm like, yeah, I'll move along. Yeah. You know, and he's, he gives this, uh, video, this short, 20-minute thing. He's not in, in his studio. He's sitting at home with the camera attached to something because he's sitting in his rocking swivel chair and it's kind of following around. It looks like he's more in his house coat, whatever. Like, he doesn't even look fully dressed, honestly. And he's like, I'm so impacted by this. He goes, I don't know how I'm even... And I don't think he was even there. I think he just heard about it. I'm not sure he even visited. I can't remember. Do you remember, Bruce? He had a friend, yeah that comes back and shares some things. And that, he said, I don't feel like talking. And I guess this is one of the characteristics, and it has been at different times and different, where that thing where you want to do all the talking, like the real evidence of it is you're finally like, I can't talk right now. And back in the 70s when it hit there, he tells the story of two young men that witnessed it, and the Lord told them, go to a certain church, and I think there's a revival going on there. And tell the leader, tell those people, all you're supposed to do is go tell them there's a revival at Asbury. I'm pretty sure that's how this goes. So just obediently, they're young enough and dumb enough to just do what the Lord tells them to. And they don't think through it. You know, they just go and they said, hey, we wanna, we're supposed to come here and just tell about this revival that broke out in Asbury. And this evangelist type guy that's there with, I mean, they're doing special meetings. So someone walks into their meeting and say, yeah, I want to announce something. They're like, uh, 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 take, you know, hang on. I got, I'm in charge here. Like, I don't know if that fits our, you know, it's easy to get into that, honestly. Criticize as you will, you still, you know, every leader knows that, that monster there of staying in charge and then being, you know, allowing things. And, uh, he, kind of reluctantly allows them to get up. And one of them, he says, I'll give you five minutes. So one of them got up. He spoke, he, he spoke for about a minute and 40 seconds. And he said, we're just supposed to come here and tell you there's a revival that broke out in Asbury. And his friend came up and uh, the other boy came up and pretty much said the same thing. That's all they said. That's all they said. And pretty soon the whole place there was affected. That's all they did. And it was back when there must have been uh, singers, because the bass singer, like we don't have bass singers anymore, you know. But the bass singer in whatever quartet or whatever group they had there, he, he said, I can't sing. I, I can't say anything. I, I, can't, I can't function. Like, so I'm like, hmm, 
Very interesting, huh? So the sovereign Lord, and then this is broke out everywhere. And I share once in a while that I came out of the Baptist church and I went to a Baptist college for a couple of years. And, uh, and I left because I started pursuing the things of the Spirit. And it was either leave now or get kicked out later. It was like one of those things because I just couldn't do it anymore. And uh, so I left in a good way, just kind of packed up, put in my, you know, I'm going to go. And I shared, some of the, my friends were crying tears like I was going into apostasy and those kind of things. And I just kept moving. I couldn't turn back. It's like, yeah, but Rick, don't you understand? These people study the Greek and they know this and da 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 I'm like... Mm-hmm, I know. And I had begun to, to preach on, out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 about the difference between the wisdom of man and, and the mind of Christ. Like, there's a marked difference. And I realized we're full of teaching and doctrine, but a lot of it is man figuring out things. Like, you could, if once you step into this, you see the difference. Like, whoa, hang on. And, and so, and I've said that, what you know in Christianity, you must learn through revelation. It's not knowledge in the same way that you learn other things. Like, you've got to have revelation. If you find a person that's full of the head knowledge about Christianity, but they don't have revelation, there's not life in them. They have full of answers, but they don't have life. Like, revelation is really important. And um, when I left the college, I stood up. I felt I was, and I had a good spirit, a good attitude about it. About a 500, this, the arena or the, uh, the place where we had chapel held about 500 people, and so they divided the student body in half, or about 1,000 at the time, and uh, at Cedarville College in Cedarville, Ohio. And in my session, I stood up. I was kind of towards the back, and I just made, held up my Bible, and I said, I've made a decision. I think we'd just come off of summer break, and we're starting a new fall quarter. I said, I made a decision to start believing everything that's in my Bible. And by now, I'd gotten kicked out of one of the Baptist churches that I, had a, I was supposed to go speak at. So I spoke, but yeah, I got done, but that was the end. They told me to sit down, and they were upset at everything from my long hair. It was over my ears by then. That was bad. And uh, <clears throat> now I've lost it all, so I qualify. But I'm good, good again. I can go back there again. And uh, yeah, don't pay attention to Jesus, a picture of Jesus on the back wall that had long hair, rose, sandal. He would not have been allowed in the church, just saying. So again, just with a good heart, I just shared, I'm going on a journey. I don't know why everybody's not healed, but I, I'm going to start believing this. And I made the same statement at the chapel, and I'm going to start believing this. I'm going on a journey to find this. And Dr. Jeremiah was a president of the college at that time. And he was up on the platform, like, it was just hoity-toity, that's how things work, you know. And he was, you know, several deans and important people of the college were always sitting on the platform at the chapels. And uh, he gets up and comes to the microphone after I sat down. I didn't go on very long, didn't have much to say because they didn't know anything. I'm just like, I'm going on a search. That's all I knew to do. Like, I'm going to go search this out. And I'm taking this with me. That was, well, he gets up. Has to make, he has to make a disclaimer about me. And I wasn't even offended by it. And he's like, we're not going to be... One thing I'll tell you, we're not going to be seeing resurrections from the dead. And I went, hmm. If I understand right, this revival, whatever this, however we define this thing going on right now, it's hit that college. Cedarville. It's on the list of things going on. I'm like, 
the Lord has this way, you know, and you just need to decide where you're supposed to be. Don't judge, don't condemn, just stay on your track, stay in your lane, find your lane, stay on your lane. Don't worry about who likes it, doesn't like it, who's with you, who's not with you. Just you walk and the Lord will do amazing things and, you know, behind you and you won't feel like vengeful or justified. Like, I mean, the greatest vengeance a Christian has is that the heathen unbeliever that was mean to you gets saved. That's the greatest vengeance, isn't it? Like they come to Jesus like, hey, that's the reward of the martyrs. And you find in revivals and movements when the blood of the martyrs is shed on the ground, following that, which is a huge injustice, yeah? Revival breaks out in those places. Things change. Things happen. I hear this repeatedly. You're like, wow, Lord, like, how can you? And it's like, ah, I got them. Like, a moment in glory makes you forget your sufferings, right? That's the measure of his glory. We have a hard time understanding that when we're all fired up about something. But one moment in his glory erases the pain and suffering, everyone's pain and suffering. And some people have had some huge, horrendous pain and suffering they've gone through and injustices. And one moment of glory, and that is his promise, kind of like, you can't touch this. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm transformed. I'm in a new body. I'm in a new place. So uh, it's like, wow, God's at work. Meanwhile, we love the gifts of spirit. I felt to just revisit this stir up of what I can just by preaching, speaking this to hear. We all need to hear. Even if prophecy isn't your main thing, you always must hear the Lord. If you get a prophecy, you must discern it. You're never off the hook. You're never allowed to go, well, they prophesied over me, so I went off and married this person. That really happens. Or I moved to another country because there was a prophecy. Like, at some point, now if you don't understand a prophecy, put it on a shelf and just let it sit there and just be quiet for a while. Just watch and see. I've had a lot of negative responses, some of the prophetic words I've had. Number one, I've often misunderstood them. That's happened a lot of times. I couldn't go to a prophetic conference when I was younger without crashing and burning there because I felt so condemned and everything I heard just felt negative. That was my issues. That wasn't them. That was me, okay? And, and take your time with things. The Lord can offend you, you know. That's, that's, ugh. we like to think the people that offend us and step on our toes are, you know, people we don't like. But Jesus can be very offensive when he says something. You go, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Or who he chooses or what he chooses to put you in. And you can find yourself just really Messed up, oh, I'm mad at God. That's when that stuff starts coming out, which is dangerous, scary. I don't want to stay mad at God. I've had my moments. I don't want to stay there long. I, I'll tell you, actually, I feel grieved at the couple moments when I was really angry, like frustrated with my life, and looking at him, however I could perceive him, and kind of giving a rant. I, I honestly wish I'd have never done that. That was... That was in front of nobody, just me and God. But I'm like, 
I don't like that feel. I don't, I don't want to ever be in that. I don't want to ever do that again. That was young foolishness. And I'm like, I want to stay in a place where you're God. You're God. You love me. But you're God. And, and so I felt we need to revisit, stir up some things just by me sharing some scriptures. I, I started this out last week. We looked at John John 10 and John 20, and so we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12. I'll read this, make a few simple comments. And Kurt, your message today, or your word, your message, it was a message at communion. was so perfect, like exactly. It's, it's this thing where we're one body, many members. And what would it look like? I asked this question last week. What would it look like if we all polished up our gifts and functioned in them, because they can go dormant, they can go asleep. Kevin has confessed because he, he's so open and transparent about his life. There are seasons he's gone through where he's just kind of shut this down. He's like, I got to confess this. I've clicked that off. Like, no, don't do that. And he's repented and got back on track. That's all Jesus wants. Like, turn, see what's wrong, turn from it, let's go. Get up, dust off, let's move, let's go forward. There's no, regret has no purpose, condemnation has no value. Those are valueless feelings. But get back up, dust off your pants, let's move, let's go, keep moving. And um, so if we all identify your gift, identify your lane, and, and best of all, that we all would prophesy, because in some sense we all can, I do believe this, because we can all hear from the Lord. And a prophecy can be something as simple as looking at someone and just speaking a, a declaration of something good over them. It, it has that effect. And even the, the world actually will accept that faster than, than some of your brothers and sisters. They'll, they'll receive that. Like It's like, hey, you just speak something like a compliment, only there's a way of speaking it that has a little more juice to it. Like, I feel like the Lord's saying, you're a good man. You know that simple thing can, have, can change someone? Look at any mother with long, young children and go, you're doing a good job as a mother. They'll probably, most of them, fall right on a, right on a concrete right there and start crying. Because they live with such condemnation because day in, day out, you're dealing with these little ones and you're starting to get angry and frustrated and you're pulling your hair out and, you know, and I'm a terrible mother, Right? Fathers, men go the same way with their jobs and we're this, like, we're living in it. That's why that song, so I'm my beloved, that's why it's so powerful. Because, like, there's a voice and a lie that's always saying you're never going to be enough. You're not enough and you're never going to be enough. Dang that thing. Curse that voice. That, that nasty thing, it, it fall, it's part, one of the biggest things we fight with. It lands on our shoulder, kind of disguises itself as you. <laughs> whispers in your ear like stop shut up stop so those are lies and the prophetic comes along and speaks a good thing it speaks life it's it speaks something that breaks that constant voice constant thing 
Starting in uh, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, my fellow believers, I don't want you to be confused about spiritual realities, for you know full well that when you were unbelievers, you were often led astray in one way or another by your worship of idols, which are incapable of taking, uh, talking with you. Actually, they are the other, the false things people worship, and we are still worshiping things in our culture. They may, may not, they may or may not look like little Buddhas, but there are things that we put up on a platform and go, oh, you know, those things. Do they speak to you? If they do, it's like, feed me, give me more. Like, you know, they're never enough. Make me bigger, okay? Therefore, in verse 2, no, I'm in 3, I want to impart to you an understanding of the following. No one speaking by the Spirit of God would ever say Jesus is the accursed one. No one can say Jesus is the Lord, Yahweh, unless the Holy Spirit is speaking through him. That's, this is a good uh, qualifier. Like, you can use this. Like, hmm, okay, let's, let's check out this word. What do you mean Jesus is a curse? Like, uh, you're out. So, verse 4, it is the same Holy Spirit who continues to distribute many different varieties of gifts. The Lord Yahweh is one, and he is the one who apportions to believers different varieties of ministries. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry, and he energizes and activates them. Honestly, what's your favorite part about church? When we start functioning as a body, yeah, that's my favorite part. When I can just stand back a little bit and watch you all function and hear something from the Lord and take the chance to take the risk of speaking it and seeing where it falls and seeing what it, what it does. And, and honestly, listen, if your heart is sincere in those things, you're allowed to take some risks. Even if you make a little bit of a mess, like it, it all, it all, if you're, if you're approachable, if you're correctable, like if that's your, like, here, I have this to share. If it, if it's really wrong, then okay, I'll, I'll listen to that correction. I, that, I can go a long way with someone when they just have an attitude of, I don't, I don't know the thing for everybody or whatever, but here's what I'm feeling today. Here's, here's my gifting. And when you get confident in it, that's good. Flow in it. As long as you're sensitive, it's all about attitude, isn't it? It's all about this position of brokenness before the Lord. And man, can he ever use you? If you have that quality and you step out in some things, like, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. My favorite times when people, it's from people that don't do that very often, but that you're like, wow, I know this is God because you never come up out of your chair. Yeah. And often that's who ends up blessing me so, so much is, is when I see someone like you must really be feeling that because you don't want to do this. You're feeling it. You're like you step out. See if I can get here back to where I was. Uh, I think verse 6 maybe. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles and accomplishes different results through each believer's gift and ministry. So if we all come with our thing, how, how edified the church is. 
Each believer is given continuous revelation. So there's that. I love this wording by Brian Simmons. Every, there's continuous revelation. It's revelation that we're getting, not head knowledge, but revelation. When you speak out of revelation, then it, it and, and it's, it needs to be grounded, of course. But when you, a person speaks out of that, that's life. That, those are the teachers we want to hear from. We don't want to hear from teachers that have all these long lists of details and are against everybody and because that always comes, that kind of judgmental spirit. It often comes anyways. That doesn't, you don't want to listen to them. Unless you're in the same spirit, then, then you like that. And you can speak correction, but, but a person is speak, flowing on the spirit. There's a gentleness. There's a real compassion. It's, it's just different. And, and a person is walking out of revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all. So we know that chapter 13, we're going to pull up there, chapter 13, sandwiched in between these, the chapter about love, which is very powerful. Jumping over to chapter 14, and I'll read five verses out of this. It is good that you are enthusiastic and passionate about spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. So it's a good thing to be passionate about spiritual gifts. It's a good thing to be passionate about spiritual gifts, about functioning in the spiritual gifts. They're not that fun to watch. They're much more fun to participate in. It gets really exciting when you're participating and you're moving and functioning in your spiritual gift. And don't worry, that gift will make a place for you. So it's all about participation. What's a, what's, what's a drag about prayer meetings? When you're, the worst thing about a prayer meeting is when you just have to listen to other people's prayers, right? I mean, if we, it's okay. We can be honest for a minute. Or people that go on and on with their prayers, like, let your prayers be anointed, spirit-led, and to the point. And, and what is it that we like to participate you pray, and then you pray, and then you pray, and then you pray, and all of a sudden, prayer meeting gets, and then all of a sudden, someone has a prophetic word, and da 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 and like, that's when it gets good. That's when prayer meetings are like, hot dog, like, yeah, we're hitting it. We, we just hit oil, and, and it can start gushing, like, that's, get stirred up about that again, like, the things we do out of routine and drag and a lot of rules, like, that always kind of, it just kind of peters out. But if we can get into the flow of the Spirit and bring our spiritual gifts into those things, they're exciting. Be passionate about spiritual gifts. It's great, especially prophecy. When someone speaks in tongues, no one understands a word he says. However, I would encourage you to speak in tongues if you have your prayer language. Do it often. Wake up in the morning. And do it before you get out of bed. Like, let that roll. It edifies you, especially when you're not feeling anything or you're struggling. That prayer prayers th prays things for you and to God that you need prayed. And as you do it without your understanding, like we're really messed up when our mind doesn't kick in, right? Like, well, what do we say all the time? I don't understand. If I don't understand, I can't function. Like, that's, I, I really have a Bad issue of that. Like, it doesn't make sense. I'll say, it doesn't make sense. Like, 
But praying in the Spirit, it, I'm just going to tell you right up front, it doesn't make sense. And why it affects you and why it edifies you, it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. This, this will be like, this is stupid. It'll be speaking to you. This is stupid. Like when I first got baptized in the Spirit, which was not a phenomenal thing, just a prayer, and I got a little bit of, I don't even know if I got my prayer language at that time, but I do know this was the prayer. At a church that I even like that much. <laughs> it's just like, it wasn't even a great place, great thing, great not. But I, I walked away and I, I knew I had something. I knew there was something there. And so when I was totally alone, at the time, we were, my dad was still farming. We were farming, and I was in. Not, there's no place more isolated than a great big silo that's mostly empty, and your the silo unloader is broken, so you're doing it by hand, you know. Out and and that's a very solitude place. Like get in there, you know, you're all alone, and it's a great place to practice these things. Well, there's nobody around here. I, I'm going to do this. This is stupid, but I'm doing. I prayed in tongues. And then after I would do that while I was pitching silage onto the wagon, out the chute, on the wagon, something would happen. I'd be like, or I'd see somebody. I'd be like, whoa. I knew that that prayer was connected to, I just knew. I knew that I knew. It starts building your faith. You're like, I don't understand praying in my prayer language, but something happens. Things change when I do it. What did Paul say? Hey, guys. I pray in tongues more than all of you. Like, I got you all beat, guaranteed. Uh, who's going to argue with him? Meanwhile, he's saying, but it's not that edifying in the church unless it gets, unless it gets interpreted. But what does edify is a word that we can understand, like, because we need minister to. Just logical stuff. No one sees someone speaking in people, but to God, he is speaking intimate mysteries in the spirit. Verse three, but when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people to build them up and to bring them comfort. There are some qualifications for prophecies. The one who speaks in tongues and advances his own spiritual progress, while the one who prophesies builds up the church. I would be delighted if you all spoke in tongues, but I desire even more that you impart prophetic revelation to others. Greater gain comes through the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues unless there is an interpretation so that it builds up the entire church. <clears throat> my friends, was that the end of, my numbers are so small. That, that was the end of five, right? Yes, okay, good. Some of the most effective people in our body are the people that function outside of the church. Like, I'll hear about what they do and how they're, as far as impacting people and impacting the lost and impacting whoever, and I hear the things that, that happen outside of our meetings, and I'm like, wow. I'm not very good at that at all. But I hear about it, and I feel like, wow, you're doing the real, that's the real stuff there. When you do something spirit-led, and it can be any array, any assortment of, of these different things. So let's look to 2, Corinthians, 2 Timothy, I'm sorry. Because this was so um, powerful when Paul speaks to Timothy. Uh, it's in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. And he gives him some instruction that's kind of like logical, and we 
forget that someone needs to tell us this. We forget that we need to tell somebody this. And the, you'll hear the admonition here. In verse 6, we're going to read verse 6 and 7. I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. Now, I mean, honestly, the Apostle Paul laid hands on you last week, last month, a year ago, five years ago. I would, you know, I'm not sure if I can imagine that dwindling, like, wow. But this is proof. It doesn't matter where it comes from, how powerful it was, how authentic it was. That fire, the enemy's working hard to put out your fire. A little water here, a little smoke here, a little this, a little that, and just get that, ooh, easy, easy, easy. And maybe not even a frontal attack, just, hey, let's get him off the track. Yeah, but it's all it takes, just get him off the track. Just get him distracted. How often does something we're doing, some spiritual discipline, something like we're in our groove, you know that thing when you know I'm, I'm in my groove. I'm hitting the marks that I'm supposed to be hitting between me and Jesus. And then something comes along and pulls you off enough that this, all of a sudden you don't have time for this. All of a sudden this, this did you get assaulted by demons? No. It's kind of sad. Sometimes all it takes is a, a good distraction. That's life. It's just how it is. So we need to do this with one another. I need to do it with you. You need to do it with me. We need to do it with one another. Hey, how's your spiritual gift coming? I asked somebody this, that, this week that I, when I was with them. I said, hey, how'd you feel about the message Sunday? Like, did it impact you? Like, we're talking. And I said, I remember when you prophesied a lot. Yeah. Like, I just pulled it back to memory. Didn't say any more. And, and I, I was doing my job. I can't do any more than that. But that was, it's that simple. Hey, have you been doing what you used to do? Like, wow, it's been a long time since I heard you this, that, or the other thing. And, and, and the word is, stir that up nurture that. Yeah, but the last time I did it, I got rejected. Mm. Okay. Is that all it takes to stop you? Boy, you're an easy mark. Like, I think sometimes maybe we need to push on each other's chest a little bit and like, hey, hey, what are you doing? You know? Get them in that stance where they're a little more on the defense and like, don't, yeah, don't, don't push on me. Uh, and we need to get that way about the things God's given us. Like, like oh, you're, you're a pushover. Like, what? Like, here. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, this is, this is mine. This is what the Lord gave me. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is, this is what I'm supposed to be flowing in. Paul imparts his hands on Timothy. That's got to be the I Ching of being ministered to. For God will never give you... The spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. So Paul says, stir up that gift. Rekindle that gift. Timothy, you've been at it here for a year and a half, three years. Who knows what the time span is? We don't know. But it dwindled. What he started out in, it started to wane. Paul knew about this, either through a letter or whatever. 
And it's like, he wasn't doing, he wasn't in sin. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He just needed to stir this stuff back up. And the whole book, the whole, these two books are just really neat about getting reestablished about your commission and what you do and why you do what you do and stay true to these things and watch out for false teachers. Don't let them get you off and stand firm in these things that I've taught you. Just do that. So back up, it's interesting, we get a little bit of history about this happening. And in 1 Timothy, verse, chapter 1 again, in verse 16 through 19, 1, 16 through 19. And I'm going to start reading here. It says, so Timothy, my son, I'm entrusting you with this responsibility in keeping with the very first prophecies that were spoken over your life and are now in the process of fulfillment in this great work of ministry. So think about this. Put this into reality. I love the language here that Brian Simmons is using to uh, in, interpret this, this verse. That Timothy, like us, do you remember the first prophecies that you've got? Do you remember some of the phenomenal prophecies you've gotten? And, and it's interesting, like they'll flow out, you'll get words and you'll get things sometime earlier. And how often we do this with one another all the time, we go back to those words, but the Lord said. And, and that's why we need each other to remind each other, and I'm no different than any of you, to, to remember what was spoken at the time. And so many times I'm like, I'll be. I'll have words that I'm like, no way. Then all of a sudden, something happens, and Phyllis and I will look at each other and like, oh my goodness, I never believed in a thousand years. There's a couple times when we've ministered to other leaders. When we got the words that we would do that someday, I'm like, I'm like Sarah, big time. <laughs> Good Greek, are you kidding me? I'm struggling to lead a church next to a cornfield near a woods on a township road, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And we're not bragging about anything. Like, and I will, like, how will that happen? The nations, you know, will come through your door. It will come through. Like, mm, you smoking something? Like, why aren't you coming? Where'd you come up with that? Like, have you looked? And yet... Over, it's been several times now. All of a sudden, we're doing something. We go, oh my gosh. When I got that word, I had no faith for it at all. The Lord's like, that's okay. I'll catch up with it. You'll catch up with it. <laughs> just, just keep showing up. Just keep waking up every morning. I'll, I've had the Lord say, I'll dig the gold out of you. I'm like, you know, my response, like, you actually think there's gold in there? Like, really? Like, you can see something. I can't see that. And yet, situation, life, years go by, and pretty soon starts. And again, I'm like, wow, it's amazing. Did I have faith for it? None. I just kept walking. That's all about all I can say. I kept walking. Kept showing up. Phyllis will start begging me. She's like, you know, Job's wife, quit. Like, can't quite do that. Like, oh my gosh, this is miserable. Get in, get out, do something, you know. I was bad. I was bad. 
The Lord's like, wait for it. <laughs> you know, just wait for it. I'm a great testimony for what the Lord can speak that does, you know, that eventually comes to pass. With this encouragement, use your prophecies as weapons as you wage warfare, spiritual warfare. So the words you've gotten and the things, especially from prophetic revelation, here's permission, use them as weapons. You know, we buy a weapon, a gun, a bow and arrow, whatever, you know, put it on the wall, put it in the closet, you know, display it, there's my weapons. You need to take these spiritual words and treat them the same way. What's that? And get it encased. Whatever it takes. Get it, get it out of the closet. Get it back up and go, here's what the Lord says. And this is my weapon because as soon as it's threatened and when it looks impossible, I grab the weapon. I grab the promise. I reach for the promise. I stand behind that. I put it on my wall. It's part of my identity because the Lord said this would happen. Use those things as weapons. It goes on to say, and it says, wage weapons as you wage spiritual warfare by faith and with a clean conscience. For there are many who reject these virtues and are now destitute of the true faith. So this was, it was well spoken by Paul to Timothy because it's true. There were a lot of believers that were shipwrecked as there are today because they forsook the original commissions they turned away from the prophetic words, and it's kind of dangerous. And he's telling Timothy, hang on to these, grab a hold of them, grab a hold of them with all of your heart, contend for them, use them as weapons, get aggressive about staying in this place once you get the prophetic word. We have access to these, these giftings. There's potential for big messes to show up. We've seen that. But there's potential for great success, too. There's potential for groundbreaking uh, ministry and functioning in these things. And for those that just latch a hold of those things, get in your defensive stand and stand, therefore, in that and wait on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is not a passive thing. It's an active thing where you're getting entangled in the Lord entangled in the spirit, entangled in, in these words. Grab a hold of them and embrace them. And uh, it was later also here, there was another passage in Timothy where he's telling them, lay hold of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, lay hold of this. Like, grab it. Grab what you have and hang on for dear life, little young leader. S you know, son in the ministry of mine. Be firm. I can't be there every day. I can't hold your hand every day. But I can send you this letter and remind you, be strong. You've got what you need to make it through your journey. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, just thank you for all the giftings that you've given us, the giftings that are, are represented here, some that haven't even been touched yet maybe, some that haven't been brought forth yet. But Lord, you're able in due time to bring these things forth. And I just release prophetic words in areas where anyone needs them to hear what the Lord's saying, hear what you're speaking, to lay a foundation of revelation 
of words of what you would give us. We commit ourselves to stirring up our gifts. Show us how. Give us wisdom. How do we stir up the gifts that were within us? Lead us. Should we pray in the Spirit more? Lead us. Should we listen to worship? Should we, should we find places to get away so we can hear your voice? Give us wisdom about stirring ourselves up and being stirred up in our gifts, being edified. Because we definitely have to get, get this on and get in this move lest we be destroyed and disheartened and discouraged and distracted and gotten off course. So, Father, we contend today for the faith. We contend for the gifts. We contend for what you've given us, the spiritual words that you've given us. We thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for caring for our hearts. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Aren't we blessed to be in this house? Aren't we blessed to be in a house of praise? You know, this house gets homemade bread for communion. <clears throat> Chris Brothers bakes us homemade bread for communion. These communion cups are filled probably 60 pieces of bread there. Do you think Chris takes 60 individual pieces of dough and bakes them separately? You know what comes from one loaf? First Corinthians chapter 10 says, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ and is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. And we do many things as individuals when we follow Christ, and, and we're fortunate in this house to be able to do many things uh, together that we share as followers of Christ. And, of course, to me, one of the most important things is our sharing of communion. The blood and the body of Jesus are the sacrifice for each one of you individually, but it's one sacrifice. And the cup and the bread is the love of Jesus for each one of you individually but it's one loaf. We share in the victory of the cross. And six weeks from this Sunday, we're going to celebrate that we share in the victory of the resurrection. Amen. And right now, we get to share in the victory of communion, the healing, the love, the peace, 
we receive in communion, we share today. So come many and let's share the one loaf. Amen.